0: never intended to stay with GitLab for a long time, so I uh, I joined GitLab uh, on the invitation by the founder, Zietze, and I said to him, you know, I'm going to be here for a year and then we're going to fund my own startup. But GitLab did really well and I enjoyed my job, so I stayed for much longer. Uh, and as you mentioned, like that company was fully distributed, full remote company. And one of the things that we saw there was one this is obviously the future of how companies are going to be built. There were so many advantages for individuals as well as for the organization itself, but we were struggling with this one part, which is we'd find somebody great, but now how do we pay them? How do we stay compliant? How do we make sure we can actually provide them benefits? And although there were many companies, and still today, that were saying that they solve all those problems, they tend to make things a lot more difficult, and they were really poorly ran, they were really expensive, and so I figured I can probably do this better. And so... I left GitLab specifically to solve that problem, together with my co-founder, Marcello. Uh, and that's what we've been doing for the past four years.
1: All right, welcome everybody to another episode of The Future is Hybrid. I am your host, Kenna Tellum, And on this show, we talk to the leaders when it comes to remote work. We talk to the thinkers, we talk to the doers, uh, we talk to the people who are really changing the world, trying to figure out what this is all about. Uh, and one of the greatest leaders in this industry, one of, the, one of the people who has had a significant impact on the future of work and remote, is the CEO of remote.com, a great name for the topic, Mr. Jop wander Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to, to have you on here. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. I looked you up did some stalking prior to this call, trying to figure out what, what's the background of this dude. And, and one of the things that popped up that I didn't expect is that your your most
0: rated skill
1: on LinkedIn is neuroscience.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> formal training in neuroscience. So I, I studied uh, neuropsychology, and then I, I later specialized in neuroscience and cognitive neuroscience. And I worked as a researcher for a few years, so I, I worked on... Figuring out how the brain processes information. I mean, what does that even mean and how do you apply it? Well, <laughs> well I did. I did. What, what it means is well, we don't really understand how the brain works, right? And so we know we have a whole bunch of neurons and a bunch of other cells, um, and we know that they fire and that somehow represents information. But we don't actually really understand how it represents information, uh, especially not more complex information beyond just like simple things like sine waves and, and like lines, for example. Um, so uh, I, I I did experiments to try to figure out, you know, what kind of activity, you know, re- represents what kind of inputs um, and that's it. And it's fundamental research. So like fundamentally trying to understand how the brain works. So how do you apply that? <laughs> that's it, <laughs> uh, outside of that, not very much. <laughs> no,
1: super interesting, but it's not at all what we're gonna talk about today. We went from neuroscience, um, you went through a product role at another great remote company at GitLab. And then four years ago, you founded Remote.com. Yeah. In 30 seconds or less, what is Remote.com?
0: We make it possible for you to pay and hire people in other countries. That's it.
1: Pay and hire people in other countries. And why is that significant?
0: If you have a business and you want to hire somebody... Uh, you have to provide payroll. You have to pay them somehow. And depending on where they are, it might be somewhat easy or incredibly complex. So we make that easy for anybody, anywhere. And historically,
1: it has been a a relatively complex um, way of operating. If you're a company, say you want to hire somebody in a different country. My company is in Stockholm. They hired me in Spain. You'd have to set up a legal entity. You'd have to figure out how that market works.
0: You just take away all of that pain. That's correct. Yeah. We, um, the, the way we built this company is we set up entities ourselves in every country in the world. And through that, we provide payroll and benefits and compliance, and we can employ people directly through them, or we can pay out contractors and whatever else. So yeah, we did, we did that difficult work upfront, and then we allow companies to make use of that infrastructure. And we have experts in house to actually facilitate all of that. So, so what's the origin story?
1: Why Why did you uh, leave GitLab and, and go off and become the CEO of Remote?
0: Never intended to stay with GitLab for a long time. So I uh, I joined GitLab uh, on the invitation by the founder, Sietse and he said to me, uh, and I said to him, you know, I'm gonna be here for a year and then we're gonna fund my own startup. But GitLab did really well and I enjoyed my job. So I stayed for much longer. Uh, and as you mentioned, like that company was fully distributed, full remote company. And one of the things that we saw there was one, This is obviously the future of how companies are going to be built. There were so many advantages for individuals as well as for the organization itself. But we were struggling with this one part, which is we'd find somebody great, but now how do we pay them? How do we stay compliant? How do we make sure we can actually provide them benefits? And although there were many companies and still today that were saying that they solve all those problems, they tend to make things a lot more difficult. Uh, They were really poorly ran. They were really expensive. And so I figured I can probably do this better. And so... I left GitLab specifically to solve that problem together with my co-founder Marcelo, uh, and that's what we've been doing for the past four years. So you
1: had a problem that you really felt that you had experienced, and yeah. and it's like okay, it
0: needs to be a solution, and, and you went off and created this solution. That's that's basically I uh, the, the the main driver for me is not so much I want to have a business. Uh, the main driver is I see this strange inequality in the world, right? It, it, if you Are born in a particular place your chances of getting a well-paying job are significantly higher than if you're born in another place Um, which is fine if that job is very locally specific but actually most of these jobs are knowledge workers right these are jobs that can be done from a computer by anybody that has access to the internet and so from my point of view if you are a great programmer or if you're a great marketer but you just happen to live or you don't want to live in uh, a, a metropolitan city or whatever else, you should still be able to have like great op- access to great opportunities now. And this exactly, um, I want to solve. And I feel very, very strongly about, um, and, 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 and I, that's what I hope to achieve with the company. And I think to a degree we have
1: so far. And your, your timing hasn't been horrible either. You started this
0: <laughs> company a couple of years before the pandemic. Yeah, we we started the company, so in January, 2019, um, and we were still building it once the pandemic hit. So we didn't actually have any customers at the time yet. Uh, but we quickly rushed the market. And of course, yeah, that for sure helped us as a company.
1: And, and you're not being humble when you say that. You you are one of the fastest growing companies, not just in the space, but in, in history. Tell me a little about the, the growth journey.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we saw, we knew that there was a lot of demand, right? So from day one, we started talking with pr- prospective customers. Um, so we, there was already some build up demand for this. And then of course with the pandemic that demand just exploded. And so yeah, in our first year of doing sales, I think we grew the team from like 10 to 50 people. And then the second, well, I mean, it was technically still the first year. We went from 50 to about 650 employees in a single year. So people actually directly working for us, not people that we employed for customers. Um and so yeah it's uh, it's growing really, really fast, and then you know revenue luckily follow the similar trajectory um yeah, it's uh it's it's been growing really, really fast uh, it still feels and I, I, you know in a lot of ways it is still really early days for us. We've been doing sales now, yeah I mean coming up on three years in may um so yeah it's it still feels like everything is very new or very young and in every six months or so it feels like a completely different company still.
1: I can only imagine a fun growth journey. So how do you 10X your 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 organization? I'm assuming that wouldn't have been possible if you were only hiring in a
0: specific city. Yeah, I think there's a few tricks that we did, but I think the, the biggest one is that we just are a company that works remotely. That's it, mm. right? Like the, the the demand for remote work far exceeds the availability of remote positions. And then if your company is called remote, you do get a lot of job applications. <laughs> so that worked. So we actually and still today, our main problem with hiring is not so much finding great people. It's that finding the right person between the tens of thousands of applicants we get every single month. That's the real challenge. Um, and, and already at the time, and even more so today, yeah, we get tens of thousands of applicants a month for people to work specifically with us
1: super super interesting so the, the service you provide is the ability to hire
0: who are your customers who who needs this the most it's it's virtually any company in the planet uh, i think we when we started the company pre-pandemic we thought well it's going to be mostly tech companies um and that, and to a degree that's true because tech companies are almost entirely knowledge workers but what we found was that yeah, almost any business employs knowledge workers and and more and more businesses are starting to realize that, yeah, it is much easier to hire from anywhere than just for my neighborhood. Uh, and so, yeah, find it's very funny. I think Burger King is like such a nice example. It's one of our customers that is um, where I think like that's not a typical tech company, but they, yeah, they, they work with us. So yeah, virtually any company, uh, it, it's been very interesting to see that. Do you see a difference in um, in big versus small, young versus old? We see basically any new startup; they adopt remote work, hmm. right? Like, why would you get an office? Like, it just costs you money, and like it's been proven that you don't you don't really need to get an office. So they either have to be incredibly opinionated about the fact that they want an office, or they just they they end up using us. Big companies, so of course, are well established; they have offices, and so they have some sort of way of working. They see, of course, massive pressure by their own employees to start working remotely, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they um, they need our help, right? And, but more and more so, more and more so, it's really hard to compete for talent if you say, well, you are going to be extremely limited about where you live and how you work and what times you have, whereas everybody else is offering remote positions. So even if it's not the, the big employers themselves are taking this initiative, they are driven very much by the market of talent to adopt these kind of policies and so yeah we see literally any kind of company including very large organizations um those very large organizations they have some more flexibility right they have large internal teams that manage much of this work but even they don't have entities they don't have a presence and they don't have expertise for every country in the world and we are not everywhere yet but we're getting there and so we can we can often help them
1: it's incredible. Uh, it's services I have personal experience with, and it just changes the way you you recruit. Um, I absolutely love it. Some of the things I wanted to touch base uh, with you on is how to build a remote company. Um, and also, what's the difference between building a company from scratch versus uh, transitioning an existing company? So you, you obviously built this one from, from scratch. What are some of your biggest learnings in... Uh, and being remote from the start?
0: It's easier, right? Let it be clear. It's much easier to be remote from the start, especially if you're fully remote, than it is to transition. the, The one thing I always say is that you have to be incredibly intentional about the way you design your organization. And if you do that, and if you really clearly write down and communicate, this is how we operate in this organization, whatever that might mean, that's going to help you a lot because that, that's, you know, sets everybody in the right mindset that creates a lot of structure around the way that you work. Um, and then it's much easier to go from there. That is the most important thing. And then being intentional about that regards regarding everything about your values, about how much time you want to be in meetings or not, not at all, how you write, where you write down things, how you bond with each other and whether you prioritize that, where you get together or not. And What you do exactly is up to you and how you, what kind of organization you want to be in. But as long as you're intentional about it and you keep revising it as your company grows and goes through different challenges and changes and, you know, whatever else. I think that's the most important one. Just being really intentional about things that in an office environment are basically free, right? Everybody knows what to expect in an office environment. You're in an office probably during the day. (laughs) That's, that's, um, but in a remote environment, you don't get those. Based assumptions.
1: And so you have to be intentional. So, intentional documentation, making sure everyone's literally on the same page. What are some of the things that went wrong? Uh, if you had to do that, if you had to do it again,
0: what would you do differently? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't think anything really went wrong, right? I think if you're doing something ambitious, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But part of that's just part of the journey of learning and, and moving forward. So, I, I don't think there's anything in particular. It goes wrong. I think. Come on. Again, there's got to be a war story. There's got to be that. Oh, wish I hadn't done that thing. No, I don't. I don't you know, it's, it's very specific things that I think about, like in particular projects that we started that went nowhere. But, you know, if I were to do it again and I didn't, I, I would probably try the same thing. Cause right? you have known. Because you, you come from a right intention and, and you're pragmatic about the decisions that you take. Uh, I, I, almost all of the struggles in, in general, if you're building a company around people. Right, which is like people that just—it's not so much about hiring uh, a, a, the wrong person; it's about hiring the right person for the right job, right? And and those two things can both be wrong. Like the, and setting an expectation well is really important part of this. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the most important thing. But I I'm incredibly convinced that you can mold people, and like as long as you create like a great framework around it and you set expectations really really well, people will self-select into or out of a particular role. Um, and there's certainly been times where I could have done a better job there. But there's nothing, one thing in particular where I feel very strongly like, oh, that was a massive mistake related to how we built the organization, how we structured the company. No, because all of these were learning moments and we, we kept iterating on it. I think um, it's, it's really difficult to build a company, period. I think being remote or not doesn't really change that. No, but, but you seem to have done an okay job, at
1: least so far, (laughs) so far curious to see where the future brings you, um, that the other part of that question is okay. If you have a company today and you're in office, you've built your, your company around an in-office culture within office structures or or lack thereof, what, what are some of the, um, some of the, some of the advice you would give leaders of these companies in, in transitioning
0: towards hybrid and remote? First off, I would say you have to be fully committed to it. Whatever whatever it it is that you want to do, you have to be fully committed to it. And being fully committed, it starts with management, mm. right? The boss, whoever they might be, they have to set the example from the start. So if you say, well, we're going to go fully remote or fully hybrid, and then however you define hybrid, whether it is particular days or not, the boss and entire leadership team must do exactly that because if they don't they don't face the same problems that might arise then they have to solve and they have most leverage to do so that is the most important thing and i think that's a really large but in general it is a really big change because you're saying essentially we're going to communicate and work together in a completely different way than we had before and so it inevitably is going to go wrong because you can't anticipate everything that will work from the get-go the most important thing i would say is you know everything that is um Common knowledge should be immediately uh, treated as no longer common knowledge, like about the way the office works, the processes, the the way you communicate with each other, how information is shared. That immediately has to completely be reset. And you have to start thinking about where do we write down information? How do we share it? How do we make sure people have access? How do we, you know, those kind of things you have to formalize from the get-go. And then again, be really clear about the intentions that you have and expectations that you have around how people should act, where they should be, how they should be online. And there's a lot of different opinions on how you should do it. And I have ideas about it, but the most important thing is that everybody's on the same page. This is how we work together. And we all work in this way. I think there's no situation where it works well to have different groups of people, right? I don't, I think it's never a good idea to say, well, we have a group of people that is remote and a group of people that's in office, or even what I also don't think works is having a group of people half in the office, half remote and then a group of people fully remote. I think that doesn't work either because you create like a a multi-class system where some people have better access to others than others. Um, And so those are the real big challenges that you're going to face up front. And there's a lot you can do to prevent it, but it's going to be difficult. And uh, you have to be super committed to try to make it work because there's no template that you can follow, right? The office template is really straightforward. We are every day, all of us in the office from nine to five. And if you do more or less than that, that's that's up to you. And like, we'll figure it out. But we're all, that's what we do. Mm. And, and everybody understands that. And it also solves a lot of issues. But there's no, oh, this is how you work in a remote setting. Or this is how you work in a hybrid setting. There's nothing that, that says, well, this is good or this is bad. Like, there's my opinions, but mm. we don't have like the decades of experience of doing exactly that that will inform us to do it in a particular way. And I would argue that the office way is not a good one, but at least everybody is on the same page on what it looks like. But, but that's an interesting point because to get
1: leadership buy-in and get them on board walking in the same direction, um, there's gotta be a why. And you touched upon the office is not a good one. What would you say are the greatest benefits of working remotely?
0: I mean, The greatest benefit is that you're not actively making people's life worse <laughs> by restricting their freedom. Right? If you do work that doesn't necessitate being physically in a particular location, requiring people to do so, it means that you are restricting their freedom, their freedom in time, but also their freedom in space. They can't live in the location that they want to live. No, they have to live close to an office. They are not fully um, in control of their time because they have to commute, right? Uh, and, and, and they might have to be in a particular time in the office. And that those, that, that is very rigid. And I'm not saying that you have to be all free, you know, But you can give a lot more freedoms to people and it's the primary way. And if you have happy people, they're more likely to do better work. Like, I think that's the mo the primary way beyond all the other benefits, right? The immediate one being, you know, if you work remotely, you can, it's much easier to find talent and hire them and, but that's the primary one. And I think that's the most important one is that you're not doing something just for the sake of it. You now have to be intentional about how you structure work and how you work with people, and that's much more fair for everybody.
1: And what would you say to the people who are holding the
0: banner of come back to the office, return to office? I don't have much to say to them. Right? like You can take a losing position for all I care, but like the, the talent will favor right, and will win in the end. It's, it's really straightforward. There will always be going forward employers that say, you can work remotely for me. And, and those employers will win the talent that is interested in that. And it turns out that the majority of people want to have some form of flexibility there. And so if you're saying, well, I'm not willing to offer that, you're restricting yourself to a small group of people that happen to be local and are willing to work fully from the office. And yeah, if that works well for you, and if it works well for those people, good for all of you. I don't, I don't, re- you, you know, you're not actively causing me harm. It's just that you're probably causing your business harm, right? Like, because you're limiting your options and you're limiting your your ability as a business to hire people, um, but also, you know, to restrict costs, right? Like, if you say, "Well, we're in an office in San Francisco," and you can hire people for probably a third of what you would pay people in San Francisco, and they would still be paid incredibly well anywhere else on the planet. So, and and have an
1: ability to live their best lives.
0: Yeah, and they would be happier. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay, so we've talked about the, the previous four years and, and to the point you've gotten today, if you were to look into your magic ball, what are some of the major sifts you will see
0: the next four years? How, how do
1: you think work is going to change?
0: I don't think there's anything major that's going to happen. right? I think the same thing will continue to happen, which is more employers will start to work remotely, more employers will start to hire internationally, and more of them will say that office is the end-all, be all and we should all be in the office but the, the the landscape has shifted permanently with the knowledge of you know everybody like it's become a general thing that you can work remote and that is just going to continue slowly the kind of shift that we saw happening in a pandemic that that won't i mean i i don't i know i wouldn't know what would change meaningfully for that to to happen. i think the state in which we are now will just get better if you are you know Pro remote work <laughs> and building this kind of thing. I think that will just get better and we will get more comfortable with, you know, organizing this things. and we'll get more comfortable with working asynchronously and maybe we'll have less and less problems doing video calls and is this on and can you see my screen? Um, but I don't think anything major is going to happen. I think that is being over optimistic. I just think that we'll see much more of these kind of trends that we now see in like early remote first companies. Like unlimited time off flexible time um those things will start to seep into larger organizations and become more of a common good and with that you know you'll see less people moving into a city or on the outskirts of a city because they have to um and more elsewhere but you know those things are take a really long time it, it takes it takes decades for large changes like that to happen it's just that pandemic just like removed an entire decade <laughs> from from that shift we, we fast uh, forward because,
1: with it, 10 years right
0: yeah I think so I think so but I, I, I still think that there's a few decades to go before every employer is like yeah we, you don't have to be in an office for, for you know for a desk job like you can do be wherever you want I think that will take a long time all right
1: excellent I think that's a good place for us to round it off thank you so much for coming on the show today for for sharing your story and for sharing your insights it has been a pleasure talking to you
0: likewise thanks again.
1: all right have a good one Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode was brought to you by Abelico, helping companies go from in-office to hybrid, aided by subscription-based furniture for your office and your home office. As always, I am your host, Kenneth Ellum, with another episode of The Future is Hybrid.